All right, good evening, everyone. Um, and thank you for your time and your attention. Um, I'm Gerlis Hernandez, an infectious disease fellow physician from the University of South Florida, and I'll be talking about pancytopenia and profound neutropenia secondary um, or following a severe SARS-CoV-2 infection with concern for bone marrow involvement. I have no disclosures to report, and these are my objectives. Um, we are going to analyze a case of COVID-19 induced neutropenia with possible bone marrow involvement. We are going to discuss a differential diagnosis for the case uh, presented, and we're going to compare and contrast to other similar cases. And we're going to evaluate the therapeutic use of granulocyte colony stimulator factor, or GCSF, for COVID-19 induced neutropenia. So we're going to get started with uh, the case, um, and this case was actually published in open form infectious diseases as a novel ID case. So this is the case of a 44 year old Mexican male with B cell acute lymphocytic leukemia in remission, chronic heavy infection, liver cirrhosis, and he presented to the ER on July 2020, complaining of cough and dyspnea for two days prior to arrival. Um, he had completed hyper-CVAD chemotherapy, um, which consists of alternating cycles of cyclophosphamide, doxorubicin, vincristine, dexamethasone, methotrexate, and cytarabine. Um, and this um, chemotherapy was followed by pump maintenance therapy, which consists of mercaptopurine, methotrexate, prednisone, and vincristine. So he presented 40 days um, after uh, that uh, treatment. His vital signs upon presentation, he had a fever 101.8 and he was hypoxic with an oxygen saturation um, of 84% on Romare. Um, his lab workup, we saw by uh, bicytopenia with a white blood count of uh, 1,390 cells per microliter and thrombocytopenia with a platelet count of 42,000 cells per microliter. Um, his uh, absolute neutrophil count was normal, greater than 3,000, and he had elevated uh, markers of inflammation. Um, as I have here, um, CRPD dimer and ferritin were elevated. So a diagnosis of COVID-19 was actually confirmed uh, via PCR of a nasopharyngeal swab. So he actually had a viral pneumonia that progressed to ARDS for the sake of time. I'm not going to include the, the imaging here in my slides, um, but his um, ARDS and distributive shock required the mechanical ventilation and the use of vasopressors. Um, and they mentioned that he was admitted in, in July 2020 during the peak of the pandemic, and we had a statewide amdesivir shortage and inaccessibility to convalescent plasma therapy due to high demand. So our patient received empiric broad spectra, spectrum um, antibiotics. He received vancomycin, cefepime, and later piptaso specifically. Um, he also received uh, methylprednisolone for the milligram that was tapered over 30 days. Um, due to the high dose stairs, he received prophylactic uh, TMPSMX and acyclovir due to his underlying, underlying malignancy. Um, but he, he survived and then on hospital day 13, he was extubated and that's when things get more interesting and that's why I'm here presenting this case today. So 
His hospital course was complicated by persistent fevers and a mild hypoxia. And then on hospital day 17, <clears throat> excuse me, he developed diarrhea and worsening pancytopenia. So to describe the diarrhea it was watery. It was worse with each foot intake. Um, he will have his bowel movements and he uh, complained of cramps <clears throat> excuse me, as well. So um, GI was consulted um, and they didn't have a clear answer for our question of why he was having diarrhea. They were thinking that probably um, his GI tract was getting used to receiving solids after uh, receiving two feet two for so long. Maybe it was some sort of dysautonomia that he was presenting with. We did a microbiology workup, of course, um, and everything was negative. C. diff antitoxin test was negative. GI uh, pathogen panel and ONPs were, were all negative. And <clears throat> given his multiple comorbidities um, he, in his current presentation, we did extensive CT imaging of the thorax, abdomen, and pelvis, and everything was unrevealing. Um, he finally received convalescent plasma on day 20 um, because he didn't develop antibodies despite surviving cytokine um, um, storm. But after uh, his convalescent plasma, still um, his symptoms persisted. He was still having very high fevers, um, and he also developed severe neutropenia with an ANC of 500 cells, less than 500 cells per microliter, and that was on hospital day 37. So since hospital day 20 um, to hospital day 37, he was having this very high fevers um, every two to four days, sometimes sometimes lasting one or two days with this watery diarrhea with some cramps, requiring supplemental oxygen, never more than four to five liters. Sometimes he was able to be off when he was at rest of supplemental oxygen. Um, but we were treating him uh, we were providing supportive care, but we didn't really have an answer as to why he was having all this after surviving his cytokine storm. Because he was having high fevers in the context of severe neutropenia that eventually progressed to profound neutropenia, cefabim and microphony were started empirically. We decided to do a bone marrow biopsy, and that happened in hospital day 40. And interestingly, his bone marrow was normal with no evidence of ALL recurrence, to our surprise, or hemophagocytosis. However, he's, uh, we did PCR for SARS-CoV-2, and that was positive, um, and uh, ACMB PCR was positive as well. That's from the bone marrow specimen. Now, EBB PCR and HSV PCR from the bone marrow specimen were negative. Also, from the bone marrow specimen, we did, um, or the pathologist uh, did of uh, CMB immunohistochemistry that was negative. And we specifically, specifically asked for um, CMB-related cytopathic effects, and that was not seen by the pathologist. Um, we also checked for parvovirus. Uh, we did a, uh, a quant PCR that was negative. So this image was actually not included in the paper that was published for, for you guys to view that um, his um, bone marrow was actually normal cellular. And here, the second picture um, at the left, we have um, his bone marrow specimen that is actually negative for CMB immunohistochemistry. And for comparison, I included a positive um, photomicrograph is a different specimen. This is actually an antral biopsy, but for you guys to see the difference when it's positive. 
So also very interestingly, the day that our patient had the bone marrow aspirate, we also checked for CMB in the blood and a SARS-CoV-2 in the blood. And it was um, uh, low-grade varemia for a CMB, less than 200 copies. Um, and he actually had 56 copies per ml of SARS-CoV-2. And uh, Varicor was a reference lab that our TGH lab contacted to help us to run all these tests. We tried um, by contacting Varicor to um, see if we could isolate SARS-CoV-2 from blood and bone marrow, um, but that was unsuccessful. So I think it's important to kind of make a pause and kind of think about what we have um, so that everything is clear as to what was our thought process. So we thought about HLH or hemophagocytic lymphohistiocytosis, um, given his underlying malignancy. Um, he also was very febrile with splenomegaly, cytopenias, and elevated 13. Um, but his triglycerides were normal. His bone marrow biopsy was inconsistent with the diagnosis. Um, also, we have to mention that he was already receiving steroids at the time. Um, that is, you know, kind of the management for um, HLH. So we didn't pursue for the diagnostics. So we didn't do um, or we didn't check for NK cell activity or interleukin to receptor. We also thought of CMB reactivation. Um, but then again, his CMB immunohistochemistry was negative. Um, we didn't see CMB cytopathic effects in the bone marrow biopsy. Um, at some point, we started again cyclovir, um, but the patient didn't improve um, despite several days of therapy. It seemed like the he was um, following like a natural course despite our interventions. And then eventually, just for completion, upon ANC recover, um, a, a colonoscopy was done and it was normal for any CMB visceral involvement or ulcers. So I'm actually telling you guys that yes, see, he will improve, but the question is what, what actually happened and how that happened. So that will be explained shortly. So what is the diagnosis then? So syndromic diagnosis for a patient, we have a middle-aged Mexican male with B-cell ALL in remission and chronic hepatitis B infection and liver cirrhosis who survived SARS-CoV-2 cytokine storm um, that is demonstrating persistent uh, systemic symptoms that include fevers, diarrhea, mild hypoxia, also with progressive pancytopenia and neutropenia that is now profound. And that is in the context of SARS-CoV-2 varemia with detection of SARS-CoV-2 RNA from the bone marrow specimen. And he has had um, multiple SARS-CoV-2 IgG tests that are negative. So our probable diagnosis is SARS-CoV-2-related pancytopenia and neutropenia with the information presented so far. So let's continue um, describing what, what happened with our patient. Um, so that's the suggested diagnosis. And because he, he never developed antibodies and he was having still, you know, he's having this fever, his diarrhea, we decided uh, to administer, a, uh, to do a second transfusion of convalescent plasma. And that happened in hospital day 46. But again, his fever, his diarrhea, mild hypoxia, pancytopenia, neutropenia persisted. So on hospital day 53, we decided to do a seven-day course of GCSF 
Um, and that was um, and after a very thorough discussion with hematology and hemonc uh, um, division, um, because um, there's a lot of, con we have controversial um, evidence that is suggesting that DCSF in the context of COVID-19 can increase morbidity and mortality. Um, so after a very detailed discussion, we decided to, to use that um, as an option and I will explain why that happened, why we did that. So after receiving GCSF, the patient defervised um, and his ANC recovered five days later. Also, he's very improved um, with a reduction um, in SARS-CoV-2 varemia from 56 copies to 20 copies. Um, and that happened between hospital day 46 to 60. Now, it's important to mention that probably this may represent a variation in the test rather than true improvement, but it's worth mention. So our patient was um, actually discharged um, home on day 68 of hospitalization with improved yet unresolved pancytopenia and ongoing hypoxia requiring supplemental oxygen. Throughout the hospital course, he failed to seroconvert with negative anti-SARS-CoV-2 IgG testing um, on seven separate instances, um, and the last was on hospital day 60. He was followed by Hemong, um, and uh, 28 days post-discharge labs were obtained, um, and his NC was greater than the 2000. So here, um, this picture is showing, this graph is showing um, the ANC versus the hospital events in days. So you will see how from admission um, throughout the, the first 40 days or so, maybe 50 days, we're seeing this decline in ANC. And then upon administration of GCSF, we see the improvement in his ANC. And then it remained um, pretty much within normal limits um, even after follow-up. So um, I made this um, chart um, comparing our patient with a patient um, with a case uh, that was published by ESA and colleagues. So when we were trying to figure out what was going on with the patient, of course, we did some literature review and we found this case um, and we actually contacted the author to see what they did and how they managed the patient to learn more from their experience. And I created this chart trying to compare and contrast. So um, the this other patient, he was um, 53 uh, years of age, male, also with um, underlying malignancy or, or heme malignancy, he had mantle cell lymphoma, but he presented on uh, around the third week in our patient, he presented after two um, days of symptom. Um, and he had um, anosmia, decrease in taste, and he was having dyspnea as well. Um, but he was pancytopenic and um, SARS-CoV-2 Two was also isolated from the blood and the bone marrow aspirin. And I believe this is actually the first case of, um, of SARS-CoV-2 isolated from PCR um, positive from a bone marrow specimen, not isolated for culture positive PCR from bone marrow specimen. Um, 
So we found it very interesting because it was exactly what we were seeing with our patient. That's why we decided to contact them. However, um, this patient was not neutropenic and he was not having uh, diarrhea. This patient was managed with um, tocilizumab. He received two infusions and he received um, IVIG and convalescent plasma as well. Um, and this patient also failed to develop um, SARS-CoV-2 IgG antibodies. But he improved, he defervised just like a patient. Um, and let's continue here. So our case could represent the second documented case of Bulmaro disease and varemia due to COVID-19 and the first case of profound neutropenia directly related to COVID-19 prompting uh, myeloid maturation arrest. That's the significance of our case. So there are different um, topics that I would like to um, disc discuss or bring to your attention. First, failure to seroconvert. Why that happened? Um, so our patient neither developed anti-SARS-CoV-2 antibodies or improved despite surviving cytokine storm and um, and receiving two transfusions of convalescent. Also important to mention that uh, in a recent meta-analysis published in JAMA, convalescent plasma compared with control was not associated with improved survival or other positive clinical outcomes. But we still now we so we still use it if. Um, um, benefits outweigh risk. Um, so we believe that uh, given our patients impaired humoral immunity and probable development of myeloid maturation arrest due to SARS-CoV-2 infection, seroconversion was halted. Um, and it's important to remember that seroconversion occur occurs in most patients by day 14. So it's also important to mention that yes, our patient received uh, antibiotics um, and other drugs that can cause cytopenias. Um, he received vanc uh, vancomycin, peptazo, and tacavir um, for his um, chronic hep C. Um, he received cefepime, TMPSMX, acyclovir, cipro. Um, but it's also important to mention that we discontinued these agents, and despite multiple interventions, um, pancytopenia was not halted. Um, and neutropenia progression was not halter either, and his syndrome did not improve at all. Um, also, it's important to mention um, that cancer patients with COVID-19 have a higher likelihood of death with the highest mortality in the uh, hematologic malignancy subgroup, and I think all of us are um, aware of that. Um, in one meta-analysis, the pooled estimated death rate from five studies of 24 patients with cancer and COVID-19 was 20.83%. Um, that is significant. And cancer patients are also more prone to COVID-19 infection than the average population due to cancer immunosuppression, anti-cancer drugs, radiotherapy, and surgical treatment. Also, uh, I think it's important to mention that the pathophysiology of COVID-19 is not well elucidated. Um, in addition to direct viral damage, um, uncontrolled inflammation may contribute to disease severity and high seropeferity and D-dimer levels like we saw in our patient. Um, it's important to also mention that cytokine patterns are predictive of COVID-19 survival and mortality, and that's independent of demographics and comorbidities. And numerous reports suggest that individuals affected by SARS-CoV um, and MERS-CoV have dysregulated cytokine production from both innate and adaptive immune cells, and that allows for progression uh, to multi-organ dysfunction syndrome, and ARDS, and SARS-CoV-2 appears to behave similarly. 
Um, I mentioned before that authors commented uh, there are some reports about that we need to be very cautious um, when we use GCSF in patients that are COVID-19 positive. And that is because there is an association with increased need for oxygen supplementation um, and an association with cytokine storm and even death. Um, I found a case series where uh, three patients who received GCSF developed severe COVID-19 within 72 hours of administration. Um, and it's also very interesting that I found another, um, a single center perspective car study that they were, um, that they actually use uh, Mavrilimumab, which is a GM CSF blocker. Um, and treatment with this agent was associated with improved clinical outcomes compared with standard of care. And here we're talking about non-mechanical ventilated patients with systemic COVID-19 pneumonia and systemic hyperinflammation. So it seems like you probably want to block GCSF receptor, not as much as stimulated, um, particularly in the context of acute illness. So that's what the evidence is suggesting. But our patient improved with GCSF. So one key reason is um, the timing of GCSF use. Our patient received GCSF on illness day 56, several weeks after recovering from his cytokine storm, the time frame when GCSF use cool result in adverse events. So that's why after a very thorough discussion, we decided to um, use um, this agent and it was beneficial for the patient. So I found um, pancytopenia in the context of underlying heme malignancy um, I, and, and maybe neutropenia. So that's not really common in the literature. I found two cases. I will just mention them really brief, briefly. Um, I found a case of a 61-year-old female with Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia, and she developed irreversible uh, pancytopenia uh, due to bomaroplasia after SARS-CoV-2 infection. She presented with uh, typical respiratory symptoms, fever, dyspnea, um, and then the pancytopenia that I mentioned. But she actually developed antibodies, um, but and they did uh, the SARS-CoV-2 PCR from the bulmar, and that was negative. But she unfortunately passed away um, from fatal invasive pulmonary fungal infection. And the other case is a 49-year-old male with follicular lymphoma that progressed or tends. Uh, with transformation, transformed to diffuse large B cell that received chemotherapy and autologous hematopoietic stem cell transplant. Um, and he actually presented with mild SARS-CoV-2 infection, but he developed thrombocytopenia. Um, and it was thought to be due to ITP uh, prompted by COVID-19. So he received IVG, but then eventually um, he developed pancytopenia and neutropenia. But this patient in particular, he self-resolved, like his um, cytopenias um, resolved, um, pretty much matching the duration of infection. Very interesting. Um, and his bone marrow biopsy showed non-specific reactive changes. Um, and for this patient as well, just like the prior case, um, the, the bone marrow specimen um, was checked for uh, SARS-CoV-2 PCR and it was negative. So here are my conclusions. Um, patients with hematologic malignancies have an elevated risk of severe and or atypical uh, forms of COVID-19. Um, our patient syndromic COVID-19 sequelae appear to follow a natural course despite adding and discontinuing antimicrobials for therapy prophylaxis. 
in our case, CMB appeared to be an innocent bystander um, and we didn't see any immediate clinical benefit from uh, convalescent plasma transfusion. Um, and the use of GCSF for neutropenia management in COVID-19 patients seems to be a safe therapeutic alternative after the cytokine storm ha um, has resolved. Um, SARS-CoV-2 PCR, a blood and bone marrow specimen, should be considered for diagnostic purposes if pancytopenia or neutropenia evolve in COVID-19 patients, especially in the immunocompromised due to a heme process or malignancy. And then again, this case highlights the importance of understanding the temporal relationship between COVID-19 and neutropenia as treatment approaches that might be on opposite ends of the spectrum from immune deactivation to immune reactivation. These are some of my references. And I would like to thank you all for your attention and for your time, and I'm open for questions.